0: Different points of view And highs and lows A new perspective Everywhere you go Open up your mind Drown out the
1: noise And see if this connected And see if this connected
2: What's up, fam? The mission of this Connected Podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way, to not necessarily agree, but
1: be listened to. These conversations, of course, highlight the perspective of our various guests, and you are always welcome to agree or even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done in charity.
2: Now, here's your host, Catholic.Dad.
3: So fam, welcome and thank you, Tony, for again that little intro about what our mission is. Thank you. Fam, we are, we are where? We are located not in our podcast studio, if you guys can see. And it's not only Tony and I, or neither either. Bethany, (laughs) because she said there was not another female here. Just going to throw that out there,
2: Bethany. Wow, she gets the first roast.
3: First roast today is Bethany. (laughs) Did not disappear. She said, I did not want to be the only female there, but I said, you are never, ever the only female because our mother Mary is always with us. Amen? Amen. All right. So today we have a special guest as a continuation of our the good, the bad, and the ugly episodes. Um, and I don't know if we have the good, the bad, or the ugly, but we definitely have Father Alex with us. He is a priest at St. Joseph Joseph in Upland, and he's going to be our guest today just to talk about everything about, I don't know, what we're going to talk about, you know, this podcast has we, absolutely no... We never way. know. We never know. You know, we actually never know. We allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. But actually before that we have one Catholic trivia. We have one Catholic trivia for us today. and Tony and father, you know, here's a Catholic trivia. What is a pix? What is a fix? So
2: are we answering funny or are we answering serious?
3: Both. You answer funny and Father Alex will father serious Well, That's for serious. Is it
2: like a religious version of, like, camera pixels? Like, um, for, like, when you take pictures at mass or live stream?
3: I've never thought of that. P-Y-X, Pix.
4: Pretty clever answer.
3: Real clever. Mm -hmm. That's why you're here.
4: Is that what it is? No. Oh. Father, what is it? A Pix is a little container that you put the Blessed Sacrament to host in. So that you can carry it with you to people's homes, or people who are homebound.
2: It, yeah. I actually had a question about that. Yeah. Um, is there a specific rule of how you're supposed to carry it in yeah. transit?
4: Yeah. Um, as soon as... So people are supposed to take the, the host at mass, and then they're supposed to leave right away to people's houses. To so can you put it like it in
2: your pocket? Or?
4: No, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to carry it in a little... House, right? uh, yeah. so it's not supposed to be in your pocket, though I, I do see it a lot. yeah um, that,
2: well that's why yeah that's why I ask because I have seen it like mm-hmm. I was like that always strikes me a little like:
4: mm. yeah it's supposed to be you know
3: so is it right after mass they they're, they're at mass, they're celebrating mass, and right before all of Jesus is placed back in the tabernacle, they put however many consecrated host in the picks yeah and then they go straight up
4: yeah they get a blessing because they don't stay for the final blessing uh-huh. so they get a blessing and then they they get discharged because you have to go straight because they have to go straight so what but, do
3: we say about those people who just hang around afterwards and chit chat i
4: i think that's what it is now each church is different here the way we do it is completely different um But I think that's supposed to be the ideal. Because you don't want to carry the Lord. You go to the supermarket right after. Yeah. Stay around for tamales after Mass. Everyone's
3: kneeling in front of you because you're the blessing. Yeah. Wait, so you don't stay
2: for the final blessing? Why is that? I don't think
4: you're supposed to. No, because you already got the
3: blessing. Yeah, because the peace Uh, gives you a blessing before you go. So I always look at it this way. Because sometimes you see that where someone stays behind because they want to say bye to their friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... Do I kneel in front of you? Because you literally have Jesus right on your chest. It's yeah. like, you know, do we all kneel? It's like,
4: well, they go. need to hear the announcements. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone wants to hear the
3: announcements. Everyone, of no. announcements. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs announcements. on On that note, announcements. If you would like to participate in our podcast and and have other Catholic trivia that you want to share with us, you know, send us a DM, and we will use your uh, Catholic trivia to ask um, our guests and even us to confound us. So again, for you non Catholics and for you Catholics. That little thing that some of the extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion wear and they go up to the altar and you're wondering why is that person up there uh, and why is Father putting a host inside that little container um, It is called a pyx and extraordinary ministers of communion, Holy communion are supposed to get receive their blessing and go to whoever they're going to those people who need communion, those who are shut in and can't come to receive communion, um, at mass. So that's that. I always wanted to do that, but I just, I, I had a friend who, who did that. And she literally spent the whole day, um, going from house to house. Mm. And it's really a, a really important mission. And I think certain people are called to do it because it's not like, okay, you go to a house and it's like, here's your communion. And then you go to have that conversation.
4: Yeah. It's a whole little procedure. It's like a little rite. So you pretty much have like an opening prayer, liturgy of the word, mm-hmm. a little reflection. Then you give communion. They do the same thing. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Give communion, a prayer after, or, you yeah. know, the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. I we, did that this morning, actually.
3: We learned something. <laughs> we we really? definitely we learned something. So on today, um, our topic... And thank you, by the way, Father, uh, for coming on. Um, I I gotta ask, I gotta ask. Okay, yeah. How does you know? Do some people call you? You Yeah, we we were having this conversation. Tony and I were having this conversation as we come. We came here. I'm like, would you feel comfortable calling Father Alex by his first name, or would you say you have to call him Father Alex? Now. Tony said, "Yeah, I call him by his first name all the time." <laughs> that's not what I said.
2: That's, I don't think he would say that. <laughs> that is not what I said. I said, "Out of respect to the priesthood, you always say father.
3: That's true. So, and I, I as well, and and I have some people. It's like, and they're usually a, a little bit older, and they they talk to the priest and it's like, "Say, mm-hmm. Alex, um, someone I older than the priest, someone who's older than the priest," and I'm like, "You know, I just, I just, you know, and and now as I am older." I'm gonna to admit to it, I am older than Father Alex. Yeah, you know, it's not that I call the priest father because he's older than me. It's because it's it's his priesthood. You know, it's his title. It's kind of like calling the doctor Tom. Say, hey Tom. Mm-hmm. It's like no, Dr. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me. So if you guys have a different answer than that, or if you're comfortable with calling your pastor, um, your priest by their first name send us a dm and tell us why and then we promise tony will not roast you for your answer i can't commit to not roasting you but tony will not he is non-roastable but today's topic what are we talking about today yeah it is still christmas it is still christmas and one of the topics i really wanted to ask is new year's resolutions yeah every year every year we come to this point where we talk about what's our new year's resolution um, right now, it's, it's the Feast of Holy Innocence. Um, we're coming to the point where it's uh, the 1st of January. We're going to come up with New Year's resolutions. And I always love Catholic New Year's resolutions um, because I, I, I used to fall into those. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to daily mass. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to the first week, it's like, oh, I missed a day. Mass, um, or, you know, some of those uh, Catholic uh, New Year's resolutions. But you guys, what are some of the Catholic, you know, some New Year's resolutions that you may have?
4: Anyone? Catholic resolutions? Any New Year's resolution doesn't have to be Catholic. (laughs) Let me see. I actually hadn't thought about it. I sort of had it in the back of my mind, but there's a few books I want to read this year. I hope I get to read them. I always think I'm going to read this book. It's going to be, take me two weeks to read it. And it, you know, three months later, I'm mm. still trying to get halfway through it. Mm-hmm. So reading will hopefully be one of those. I got two books that I really want to read. Uh, two that were gifts. Church in crisis by Ralph Martin and then the fulfillment of all desire again by Ralph Martin. Um, not, not the dude that goes to Congress, uh, not the <laughs> priest, the Jesuit that goes to Congress, some other guy.
3: Great guy. He saw he saw the look on my yeah, face, like, yeah. and he was you like, Martin. I forgot what the other guy's
4: name is. <laughs> Father Martin. Yeah, like, what's going on here?" <laughs> no, this is actually this is a guy I just saw on Pints with Aquinas. Ooh, it was an awesome podcast. Me and me and my other priest friends, we saw it like three times. I've been sharing it with people, but Ralph Martin with Matt Fred. Matt Fred used to get on my nerves. I thought he was really prissy and, <laughs> and, and annoying, but he's really grown. With, mm-hmm. with his podcast and his spirituality and stuff, you can tell. Mm-hmm. But he's got Ralph Martin, and it's a two-and-a-half-hour not conversation. Curtin, Ma-
3: not Curtis Martin, but Ralph Martin. Curtis Martin. Curtis. I think Curtis Martin is the one for, like, sikh uh, focus Catholics. Oh, oh sure. no, Ralph Martin.
4: He's this, this is an older guy. Kind of, kind of part of the charismatic renewal. Yeah. And you wouldn't know it by seeing him. Not that I'm saying there's a certain type that looks mm-hmm. like a charismatic renewal. Not hating on them either. Just saying. You know, um, but, but yeah, that, that's what I hope to do. Exercise. You know, it's been a struggle for like 39 years. I'm there with you. And then, um, when I got to my new parish, I used to walk all the time. Now I don't. I'm always in meetings now. Oh. Mm-hmm.
3: Why always is that? it so the larger community or is it? just I industries? think it's
4: a little smaller than my former parish, but it's a lot more activity. Oh. A lot more activity. Their place, not so much. Need a little bit of a boost, but um, here, yeah, there's appointments and meetings all the time. That's what that's what I got used to. I have to. I mean, I guess other things is um, uh, like I had a resolution for Advent, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To be more present at things because I do have so many things to do. Sometimes it was like go. Like I saw this this person this morning to give her anointing Mm -hmm. and communion. She's super chatty, which is okay, which is okay. But um, when they don't listen to what you say because they're so busy talking and hearing themselves, Uh it kind of gets on your nerves. Yeah. So, um, so I said, well, you know, do you want the anointing of the sick because she wanted communion and she goes, no, I'm I'm not sick. She's, you know, in her eighties, she's got glaucoma and these other things. And it took her 20 minutes to convince herself that she wanted the anointing of the sick. And, um, part of me thinks, okay, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, lady, get, get a mo- get it moving. Cause I got, <laughs> I got to leave. But, um, but then I thought, no, 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 just, just stay here, listen to her, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just, just be present. So that was my thing for Advent. Just be present, um, in the moment, which was really good resolution. Um, so I kind of want to carry that with me. Not that I'm not present. It's just that some days are just busier than others. And it's you precious. forget how much people, as a priest, how much people need you there. Or, or when you're there, how important mm-hmm. it is for them. Because you're so caught up in what you have to do. Or you become, I guess, um, what's that word? Um, apathetic.
0: hmm
4: You know? So... Um, so that was good. And I guess coming into this new year, I'd like to just um not not get caught up in the rush of things and just enjoy enjoy things a Slow little bit. Slow down. More. Yeah. Wow. Smell the roses. Smell the roses, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tony always laughs at, at me the when the I incense.
3: smell smell the roses. Yeah. How are you, Tony?
2: <laughs> you just you say some random things, but you say it with a straight face, so like it just makes me laugh. Um, yeah, I definitely want to finish Bible in a year because when we had this conversation last year about our resolutions, is that we w- I would finish that, and I think I'm like two uh, two and a half months, two months behind, so still haven't finished it, and like I'm not going to finish it next week at the time of the Um on New Year's, so definitely finish that. Because just as a recap, before they announced that that was going to happen, I I prayed to God. I said, I want to have some kind of push to read the Bible from front to back. Um, It would be so cool if it was audio because I can't sit down and read. You know, audio is much easier for me. And it would be really cool, God, if it was Father Mike Schmitz. Mm. And then, you know. There it is. Wow. And I still haven't finished it. So I have to finish that that promise, uh, that request that God gave me uh, answered. Um, I want to do more spiritual reading, probably again, still audiobooks because it's just more accessible for me. Uh, I know Bethany's reading one with St. Dimphna about mental health. So um, I think that'd be very beneficial for me as well. So probably trying to be a little more regular on uh, spiritual reading. And then when you were talking about it father about the whole uh, being present i think for me i have a lot of bad habits of when someone's telling me a story or something i'm like in the moment like i I could be genuinely interested in what they're saying but i'm always thinking about something else like and i don't even realize i'm doing it my mind just goes off to like even it usually like what i need to get done like in the next in the near Mm -hmm. future because like i'm bouncing from one Mm -hmm. meeting or whatever to the next so so trying not to do that and um on a deeper level, because I feel like it's spiritually, it's me being worried about what's next, right? Rather, so going back like to, to this idea of like reading the, about mental health and uh, Saint Dymphna and like uh, trusting in the Lord in the moment, because those wandering, I think, is a deeper root in my heart. Is that? I'm worrying about what needs to get done. I, I have to think about this next thing because something might happen, you know, something that's not going to go as planned and blah, 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 And just to trust in the Lord. Like right now this parishioner or this this parent needs to talk to me about whatever the thing is, even if it's something unrelated to ministry or whatever, you know, but that's the moment that God has placed before me. So I need to be present for that and then trust in the Lord that whatever happens next is going to be fine. I think that's what I really need to work on. That's what I'm going to try to work on this year.
3: You know, I, I, I've, I'm have i older than both of you, and I've tried so many New Year's resolutions. But this year, I'm just quitting. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing any New Year's resolution. That's a resolution there. That's a resolution <laughs> to not have another new resolution. Hey, and, you're and just going
2: to fail at it. Why even try?
3: It's like, Why even try? Yeah, I remember some speaker says, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible in a year and guess what? I'm going to succeed because I got a new Bible (laughs) and I bought it in October. It's It's like, Oh, so why didn't you start? Because it's my new year's resolution. I'm going to, I'm not going to start till the first. Mm -hmm. It's like, not going to do that. (laughs) It's like, I have so many Bibles at home. I've done that. Mm -hmm. But one of the things too, though, is, is I'm not going to say, I'm going to read this new book because, okay. New year's resolution I am actually going to read my CMFB books. <laughs> I'm going to read the books, you know, all halfway through, even the ones, even the sections that that they didn't put on there to read. Even those? Even those. Because you know what? Ugh. You know what's That's annoying about, about, you know, assignments hmm. is when they give you chapter seven and eight to read, but you haven't read chapter two and three <laughs> because they're not going. I, I have such a hard time about that.
4: Now, do you think the professor read the entire book or just skip to the sections that he or she wanted to cover?
3: I would hope they did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to give my opinion on that because they might listen. Mm. Not that they would, but if they do, I I think you read the book. I know you did. You've been doing it a long time. But yeah, I read those books. But one of the things that I think a lot of people should, and I'm not forcing it upon you as a new year's resolution. And I personally know I have to do this myself is one, forgive, forgive more.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think in, in, in a year of, of COVID of not seeing anyone, mm-hmm. um, it was easy to just ignore certain people who were not there for you, who you felt were not there for you. Uh, and so your excuse was "Well, I don't need to go see that. Mm -hmm. I don't even need to call them, you know, and say, and you've let that pass instead of before you were almost forced to meet each other in, in family gatherings or, or meetings. But you know, it's, it's to be able to forgive. Again, my mom used to say is I forgive. I just don't forget. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think for me is to give myself permission to do that, to forgive. But yeah, I still remember that. And, and, and it's okay. I'm going to say it's okay to, to, to forgive and not forget because I don't think it's humanly possible to, to say, I forgive and I forgot. It's like, I'm not the Lord. You know, I, I I remember and I think it's, it brings about holiness to remember that they hurt you, but you've forgiven them and that you've requested their forgiveness. Even though, even though deep down you're like, they, I have nothing to ask for forgiveness for, but I'm going to ask for forgiveness anyways. Mm-hmm. So, for all you people out there, you know who you are. I am so sorry, and I'm trying to really mean it. <laughs> As I roll my eyes, I'm really meaning it. No, I'm truly. That's that's what I want to work on. But but to go back to both what you both were saying is patience. You know what you were saying is that you know when someone's talking, you're already thinking of the next thought. I used to struggle with that when I had employees, clients who would come to speak to me and they would say their issues. And I remember I got called out by this one man who was, you know, he was expressing his issues. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, literally, you're thinking of a response, huh? I'm <laughs> like, well, yeah. Like, but all I need you to do is listen to me. <laughs> And I think maybe it was my male thing. I don't know if it's a male thing that we're always trying to come up. What is the person's need? What do they need from me? Yeah. Can I solution. fix this? To Solve the well, problem. Yeah, what, am I, what, what do you need? Yeah, uh, What do you want from me? What can I give you instead of just the person just wanted me to listen? And I've gotten mm-hmm. better at that where you just sit there and listen. And the person leaves and I'm like, wow, thank you for, for helping me. I'm like, I was just listening Mm. so still continuing to get better with that it's not trying to resolve somebody else's issues and allowing them to come up with those solutions themselves because I I love asking that that question so what do you think you should do
4: (laughs) (laughs) yes that's why I came here (laughs) how does that make you feel how does that make you feel (laughs) how does that make you feel is a good good question you know it sounds cliche, I guess, but people are, are sometimes surprised when you ask them that. Well, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't think about it. You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've seen that plenty yeah. of times, yeah.
3: And it's so helpful because it brings them back because all that time, um, you're wanting someone to solve something for you. You want someone to tell you what you need to do. So sometimes yeah. it's like, so that I can blame someone if it doesn't
0: work. Mm.
2: You know, another question, like you you asked, this is what I noticed that actually helps a lot of people, is why do you think you feel that way? You know, they start thinking, well, huh, I think this happened. That's why it made me feel this way. You know, they begin to actually um, process what they're feeling, right, yeah. than just simply venting.
3: Yeah. And one of my best best responses, and I love giving this, and sometimes the answer is no. I tell my kids that all the time. <laughs> but sometimes the answer is no so how can we move forward from that because i think in society especially today everyone desires what they want and it's always a yes um, I'm not saying that it's a world of entitled entitlement but i think we we don't you know when you say it's like you know you always tell your kids no 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 and and i think we went over the deep end with telling everyone yes 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 (laughs) Um, but sometimes the answer is no and let's work on how to move forward from that so i don't know how we got to that from new year's resolution to that but we got there and now we're back (laughs) it's been a ride (laughs) it's been a ride so so new thing you know it's it's father we are literally in your home yeah and I got to say, this home is older than me, and not much things are older than me. But this house is older than me. But um, we're in your home. Thank you for having us here. But one of the things that that we wanted to talk to you about, and we had we had talked about this, is you're 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 one of the youngest priests in our diocese, and um, I love that. I love the fact that we have young priests, young holy priests who are serving our community. Because growing up. Um it's always you saw the priests who were really old mm. older and it's like you never saw priests who were young. Because <laughs> guess where they were? They were off on mission. They were off in third world countries doing missionary work. So it's 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 beautiful to see younger priests um like you serving because I think, as I've always said, when I was growing up, Young people, especially young adults, what I call the gap Catholics, the people who are in the, in the gap um, because where are they, uh, is that you're more relatable because you are in their generation, close to that generation. So you're more relatable to them and I think uh, more accessible to their needs. So I think it's a, very much a blessing that we have many young priests now in the Diocese of San Bernardino. Um, But what I wanted to ask and what I want to talk about in this episode, and hopefully you guys will will send us some DMs and comments regarding this, is the fact that the the issue of happy versus or and unhappy young priests. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that is something that that he sent us... um, a little article from catholic world report it was a it was a study uh, i think it was written by peter um stravinskis i can't pronounce the person's name but if you guys want to read the article it's in world uh, uh catholic world report dated um, november 21st tw- uh, 2021 and it's about happy and ha- uh, happy and unhappy young priests. an analysis of a new study um And I read through it when you sent it to me, and I never thought of of some of the things that were on there, some of the statistics that were on there. And and some of them were like, yeah, that makes sense, um, what they're saying in the study. And some of them were like, what? I never even thought of that. So I wanted to hear your take on that since you're a young priest. And, um, what's your take on, on, well,
4: first of all, are you an unhappy priest? I think I'm a happy priest, but I, I, I don't know. Is being holy being happy? I don't consider myself holy, but I'm happy. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why I'm happy. But, um, (laughs) just kidding. Uh, Let me go back to that.
3: (laughs) Okay. Let's move on from that. Cause my thought went totally a different direction. No,
4: no, no. I'm just making fun of myself. Okay. Um, I I think I'm happy. I love what I do. I love where I'm at. Um, yeah. I, I think I have nothing to complain about.
0: Yeah. So
3: it it says here that it, it, they did an online uh, survey conducted in 2019 and 2020, and it's coming from a list of names and emails of 1,379 priests, mm-hmm. both diocesan and religious clergy, and they had a a healthy response of 1,012. So that's a seventy three percent return, which is very good for priests. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the average ordination of the people who responded, uh, the average ordination year was twenty seventeen. Hmm. So that is as year I was ordained. That was <laughs> amazing. Uh, and so some of the some of the data that was extrapolated from that were these, <clears throat> and it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Um, it says they report um, being prepared. They said that being prepared well in the areas of presiding mass, 69%. So they said, how well did the seminary prepare them in a variety of specific areas? This is that part. How well did the seminary prepare you for these parts? They said 69% said they they were prepared well on how to preside over mass. 64% preaching. Confessions, 55%, and you see the trend here, we're going down. About a quarter to four-tenths say they were prepared well in the areas of hospital ministry. Okay, 40% presiding at funerals. Pastoral counseling, 36%. And then language skills needed pastorally in in their diocese, 30%. Pastoral skills for serving the diverse cultures in their diocese. 28%. 28%. And then personal skills such as time management and handling stress, 24%. So in, in looking at that, it, it just seems that, you know what? I, I love the fact that when we go to mass and it's a young priest, the mass is beautiful. It's a mass that I remembered growing up. And then we got to, I'm sorry to say, we got to really weird masses, um, And you can DM me on what I consider weird mass. Um, (laughs) We won't go into that. We can. (laughs) (laughs) He can go into that. (laughs) But but one of the things is that the mass that you guys celebrate, for me, I don't know about you, Tony, but it just brings me so much more closer and so much more reverence. Um, And I think young people are attracted to that but it says here it goes down the lowest is how to serve the diverse cultures in their diocese and then personal skills such as time management and handling stress why you know it's do you see that in in your counterparts
4: like yeah yeah you could you could see it in some guys um our our diocese i think we have a good way of handling things but um and seminary formation—it's—it's it's kind of strange. It's when I was in seminary. I guess I use myself as an example. There's a lot of things I complained about. I had the solutions to all of the church's problems, right? So it isn't until you're out of that and you realize, okay, the seminary was trying to teach me something good. Like we were talking about listening earlier. We we had this whole section on listening. Like you guys have to listen. Don't think about solutions. Just be mm-hmm. present. Mm-hmm. And hear what the person has to say. Don't drift off to other things because that's not listening, mm-hmm. right? And we're taking the class and the whole time. Is like, oh come on, you know, <laughs> you know, being taught by this hippie nun, you know that 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 you just don't know if you want to take her serious or not. You realize she was right, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it it we we have that kind of attitude, but um, I completely forgot my point. Where was I going on with this? I'm so
3: sorry. Pa- well we had patience
4: pa- no, no 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 it was um do I see that in my counterparts um and I was using myself cell- as an example. I'm so sorry there's something weird about uh, these headphones I'm sorry it's yeah uh, you can uh, take them off I can take you them can off take oh, okay
3: off. I just need it so I can hear you guys okay
4: there That. that's better I feel like I was in another dimension <laughs> like it's so strange <laughs> like uh, <laughs> hear myself talk <laughs> It's,
3: it's more when, when we have like a lot of people around So you want me to check
4: every now and then? Yeah. <laughs> no, and like, no, as long as I
3: can control it from here
4: why, why do we need it when we're all here together? I need it Well, it's also to help us to know if
2: we're talking too loud into it Oh, okay it. No, we're not loud
4: enough Sorry, yeah. it was super distracting Actually, when you when you pull them out, I'm like, oh crap, do I have to wear those? You know, <laughs> That's why I
3: was Sorry. controlling this I was like, okay. oh, he needs to be closer to the mic
4: Well, just tell me
3: you need to be closer than
4: mine. Okay, like this? See, I'm afraid that if I get too close, you're going to hear me breathing. And then you're talking and you're like... <laughs> you know?
3: We scrub that out, Father. Don't worry.
4: I have the same thing at mass. I don't like wearing the lapel one because I'm like, uh, if I leave uh, it on, yeah. you're just going to hear... You know? Well,
0: <laughs>
4: anyway. Just ASMR? Anyway. AS- mass ASMR. Or priest ASMR. <laughs> just give them chocolates <laughs> and hear them breathing. You know? Milk chocolate. Um, <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on. I got to pull <laughs> out my chocolates or they but, melt. But anyway, the, the question was... What was your question again? I'm sorry. Do you hmm. see
2: that in your counterparts?
4: Okay. And then I said, um, are we not prepared? I I think the seminary gives us a lot of tools, but we can't always be in the situation to use them until you're actually there. Right? Hmm. So So they can train you how to they can teach you how to or give you the opportunity to be a good man, but you don't have the opportunity to be a priest until you're a priest. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Like you can learn about being a father. Yeah. But until you're actually a father, do you really know how to apply all these things you've read about and no. done. Right? Mm-hmm. So so it's kind of like a similar thing. I think I think our attitude of formation kind of needs to change more of a um Are we developing in our friendships and our prayer life are we self-aware are we overcoming our sinfulness our vices you know are we growing in virtue but as for being prepared like those those numbers presiding over mass i think we're well prepared preaching definitely um Pastoral things, they try to teach us. Mm-hmm. But like I said, we, at least for me, it was a lot of complaining. And a lot of like, I have a solution, so why are, you, why, are you, um, why are you telling me this? You know, like we already know. Can
2: you give an example of what a pastoral teaching in the seminary they okay. would teach you?
4: So, so let's say we have like a case study, right? So um, you're going to talk to a teenager who's going through bullying. Right. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. someone plays the role playing. Uh-huh. So someone plays the role of the, the the bully teenager, and you play the part of the priest. And you kind of go through this practice mm. of possible um, responses, yeah, responses and stuff like that. Mm. Um, that that's an example. Mm-hmm. Um, we even practice like confessions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We we role play confessions, um, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Now, how long how long do you go through that process? I'm just giving an example. Like, you guys go through many, many years. Doctors go through um, internships. Nurses go through clinicals. Clinicals is two years worth of going through every single procedure and dealing with patients. Is
4: there Mm -hmm. such a thing for you? as Clinicals. Pretty much. Once you take the confession class, you have that semester. you're dead yeah interesting um celebrating mass that was a semester i think it was just a a workshop Though very helpful i mean um yeah um i i think we are given good tools at least I'm, i'm talking about the places i went to but it's all on how you deal with it right so um um do you have your friends in place? You know, do you have do you communicate with your friends like we it, it, um your prayer life, that's important. Liturgy of the hours, do you pray your liturgy of the hours? Do you do you go to adoration? Um do you do things that are good for you? Do you know how to handle stress by doing good, you know, things that are good for you? Um I think I guess looking back my experience in seminary was it was awesome it was awesome not like i said i did have that attitude of thinking i had the solutions for everything or the solution for everything but um the seminary gives you tools so that once you're there you know what to do or how to respond or at least what to reference you know and if you have friends you ask them or yeah. or or something like that um but i i have seen in my friends from other dioceses and in this diocese how they just go through the stress of everything. Oh, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a number of things. It's a number of things. Um, I think one of the things that even with happy priests that persists and that really kind of frustrates is people's lack of reverence for things. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly frustrating. Um, cause you know, you're dealing with the holy. I mean, you're not talking about science, you're not talking about Um, political science. You're not talking about some kind of discipline. You're talking about the holy, which is the ultimate reality of everything. You're talking about God who created the universe Mm -hmm. and what is, what he, what he's given us in order for us to have communion and to be holy and, you know, all this stuff. So to you, you understand how important it is. And then you see people come in and, and not understanding and you try to make them understand by teaching them, by explaining, and they just don't care because they just want what they want. Um that can be very frustrating. Um, at least what I no- noticed with with a lot of the younger priests, a lot of the newer priests yeah. uh, <clears throat> transitioning really hard too. Mm-hmm. That that has a lot to do with it.
3: Now one of the things that it said in the study that one of the one of the main criticisms are not being given a realistic portrait of what li- what their lives as priests would be like now. You mentioned mm. you know, seminary was really rich, and a study also showed that you know what you came straight out of high school, you went to university, and then you went to eight years of formation in seminary, and you were with a bunch of other guys, and you had community. Yeah, and then you get sent off to be a pastor, or an associate, or be assigned, mm-hmm. where you just basically you and a senior pastor who's a lot older. And then there's that difference. It's like, yeah. So uh, I think I was, as I said, one of the main criticism is that they were not adequately prepared for what was to come because <clears throat> it's not seminary anymore. This is real. And then the whole thing of administrating a parish, I, I found that super interesting mm. that, that most people don't understand that, you know, when you're, when you have a priest that, that they, they don't only celebrate mass, but they have staff, they have bills to pay, they have all these duties. And I don't, you know, I don't think I could do that.
4: Mm-hmm. That's the stuff we all hate.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> right. Um, what was your first point again?
3: The, the first point is that main criticism... Is that not being um, oh in, properly you know, equipped properly for what equipped. the reality of priesthood yeah.
4: is like that's true, but I mean you could say that about anything right like you could, yeah. you could tell you about in high school what college is going to be like mm-hmm. right until you go to college you realize how different it is mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah it, it was it was different seminary you have this community you have these events, your prayer time is scheduled, and there's a consequence if you don't show up to that mm-hmm. um which is wrong, I guess, in a sense. The man should choose to go freely and out of love. Right. But that's not always the case. Right. You go because you have to, you know. But for the most part, guys go because they love to go to the Blessed Sacrament. Um, everything is cooked for you. Um, everything is, a, is scheduled for you. And then you go on vacation on a break and your life... Gets turned upside down again because those structures aren't there. Hmm. So you're supposed to have enough good habits in order to sustain that for the summer, mm-hmm. but it's never followed up on hmm. because you're supposed to be enough of a man to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's never addressed either. Um. So when you go to being a priest, and now you're given, you're pretty much not treated as a child anymore. Or I don't say child, but you're not having these, you don't have these structures. Um, now you're getting a salary. Now you you have a place to live. Now you have your own free time. Then, then that becomes, um, shocking, I guess, in a the sense is, yeah. a transition to, it depends how old you are too, though. So, so I know like a, a good friend of mine is in his fifties, almost 60. I mean, to him, there, there's. It was easy. was already heaven for him. Well, I wouldn't say heaven. He went through a lot of difficulties, but it, he understood where it was at. You know, um, yeah, the age has has a lot to do with it. Uh, whether you've had a career before or a job outside of that,
3: they they also cited here that receiving inadequate time and mentoring in parishes mm-hmm. and pastoral settings was a was a during seminary was a concern. You know. Um, I was reading in this that a long time ago when there wasn't such a shortage of of priests, you know, it, it would took it took you sometimes people were like twenty five years as an associate before you had your own yeah. before you had became a pastor. I mean that's way too long. But now it's like you come out of seminary and it's five, six years. You know, five, six years. Yeah. And there was one in the story that said, you know what? I came out of the seminary and I got three parishes. It's yeah. Like, what what the heck do you expect mm. me to do with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a total burnout. But what what's interesting, what's what's satisfying here is that sixty percent were very satisfied with mm-hmm. being priests, but twenty two percent somewhat satisfied. And it says here, thirteen percent were very dissatisfied. It's thirteen percent. Mm. We're very dissatisfied. But I like the the lowest score on here and the concern that they had was administrative areas like budgeting
4: and managing yeah, staff that is but, acknowledged church-wide that's universal yeah and and it's always one of those things well we got to do more to train our guys mm-hmm. to to give them administrative skills and it's never done you know or it's done on the spot like like uh here in the diocese we have um like a pastor workshop right administrator mm-hmm. workshop but you don't take it until you're an administrator so you're not supposed to make changes, major changes or anything like that within your first year, mm-hmm. just as a default, you know, just so you see how things are run. Um, but here it's because you're taking these courses to or, or this workshop in order to do things. Now, there are some of us who think, yeah, you should take it earlier and start learning earlier. You don't learn the games of the rules of football, you know, as you're playing football, you kind of have to have a layout of how things are. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, that's that's bad. Well, I should say bad. That's uh, deficient in across the board. Mm-hmm. Across the board. I there, think there's would, no preparation.
3: I, I think it would be hard too. I mean, uh, Tony, you're going to get married soon, and I don't think anybody has really prepared you for for like what's going to come. I mean, you you had marriage prep, but you never really actually learned. Okay, we are going to be sharing a budget, and we're going to be budgeting things like that so it's kind of one of those things too i think in marriage prep there should be Mm. uh something in there with regards to in regards to um how to budget together as as a couple and things like that and actually really walk with someone and says this is difficulties we went through majority of our fights was over money and things like that you know administrating a family
2: well, I keep hearing that's what people keep telling me. They keep telling me, like, oh, um, uh, with, uh, you know, you're about to get married, you're going to have kids and stuff. And then people say, you, there's nothing I can prep you about what it's like to have a kid and what it's like to be a parent. You know, you have to just experience it. Is this kind of what it comes down to in some cases? Or like, there, there are only things that we can only verbalize and give examples to. But in, in some areas, would it be something you could only experience going back to the the priesthood? Are there some situations where like even in looking back in hindsight, could you have learned that in, in seminary or was this something you had to learn firsthand? No, you
4: could have learned some things in seminary. Like with administration, we could have learned some things. Mm-hmm. You would have forgotten them. <laughs> you know right. you, you would have forgotten right. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, what are the questions you ask for people, uh, people or you don't ask when hiring mm. you know mm. mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when can you fire someone mm-hmm. should you you know um, all all these things they can teach you but you might forget sure but it's sure. good to have it anyway so you can at least remember uh, you know or, or get a or if it's in a book somewhere on. you can
2: always reference yeah. it mm-hmm.
4: Um, yeah
3: i I think the answer to that even for marriage is yes and no mm -hmm. i mean even working you know in the nursing field you learn all this stuff and then you work in a hospital and every hospital is different Mm -hmm. and and you kind of learn how they do it at that hospital versus how you were trained in your college in your nursing college and then you go in it's like yeah okay i learned more here than i actually did but you would never know to do that or qualify to do that unless you went through the school and the training
0: right.
3: to do that. But uh, I'm going to go here because I thought I found this um, kind of like, whoa, a shocking. Um, you know, we, we talked about that the least satisfying thing was performing administrative and human resources duties. And and what what added to that was the poor relationship they have with pastors under whom. They serve mm-hmm. like you. You would think all of us who are lay people think that, oh, look, at those priests live together. They are all holy priests and they get along and like they love each other because, you know, we preach love, love, love. And they're so great. But here it says that, you know, the <laughs> biggest one of the biggest concerns is their poor relationship. They have with pastors under whom they serve and feeling burnt out from their workload and this one. Their frustration with their diocese or their bishop and the lack of fraternity among their fellow priests, spelling out a bit that they do not feel supported or welcomed by the pastors who mentor them, their bishops and diocesan leaders and or their fellow priests who live in their area. Now you have a really close relationship with the people uh, in your group. And, but here that was, I had to underline that because I was like, what? The, what what can you say about that you know the, the feeling the lack of your frustration the lack of support or mm-hmm. or the poor relationships because uh, you know within my my parish I, I could see that there was a tension you know when you when you're in a parish and you're involved in in ministry you could see that there's a tension between this <laughs> priest and this priest, mm-hmm. but you never want
4: to ask <laughs> it's taboo oh well, the chismoso in me always wants to. <laughs> Well there's generational differences and stuff like that, but no they're 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 right um my first parish I didn't have a pastor was a priest minister so I worked with a lay administrator and um which was a weird assignment to have um then here I have a pastor and he makes it a point for us to go out to eat every week,
0: mm-hmm.
4: which is really important because you you um hear about other guys or even in the past how the pastors would just pretty much kind of enslave the the associates, mm-hmm. make them do everything mm. because they're brand new, they're the associates, mm. and I'm just going to sit in my office all day or sit at home and you know watch TV. But there could be days where you probably don't see each other. Um, I hear about that. My other place, I lived with two very awesome priests. We talked constantly. Um, my pastor now we we're, we keep in touch, we keep in touch, we um we talk we we communicate we text we're not buddies you know we're we're not uh-huh. friends it depends on the pastor too some pastors like to be very professional right some guys like to mm-hmm. be uh, very personable a lot more social um, it it depends and so the pastor sees you being too buddy with the staff or whoever then he won't like that. You know, and he sets the tone and stuff. Um, all these things come into play sometimes. Um the the pastor may not know how to talk to someone else, you know. They they may not know how to um communicate with someone who's younger. Probably thinks, you know, older people usually think younger people are entitled. Yeah. Right? So they're they're an entitled generation, and it's like, well, you know, that's not always the case. Um, what else? Uh yeah, there's all kinds of stuff, but there, there's that with you, you think in, in seminary that you're going to be assigned to a priest who's going to guide you through your first year. Mm-hmm. But that's like insane. I don't, I don't know how often that happens in the church in our diocese. I, I don't think it does. Maybe it does. I don't know. I can't say. I can only speak mm-hmm. for me and the people I know. Um, but you're working with a man who's, been trained to be in it been told he's going to be an administrator his whole life. And has never been taught anything. Yeah. Now he's going to reconcile things on how to do everything. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of stressed out, you know, you don't know what his prayer life is like. You don't know what things are like. And, um, and so that mentorship isn't there, but then how does that mentorship look like? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I would assume it'd be, how's your prayer life going? Let's pray together. You know, it'd be good if we had a holy hour together. Um, Come with me to this meeting. Let's see how we deal with people differently. You know that kind of thing, but that's not there. I would assume that's how mentoring mm-hmm. looks like. Um, what are you reading? You know, how's your how's your family? Uh, how's your health? Are you um, seeing your spiritual director? If you don't have one, then what can we do to get you one? You know, little things like that or things like that aren't addressed. They're not addressed. So when when you look at um the the diocese you bring it up, but like, well, we would like some help on this. It's it's kind of weird because they have so much going on that to follow up on mm-hmm. it just doesn't come to mind.
3: And is it just the busyness of it all?
4: Yeah, just the overwhelming amount. Now this is my personal take, and I hope I'm not saying too much either. But you, the people of good intent, and and they love what they do, but the busyness of all the bureaucracy and Mm -hmm. the politics and just the human resources part kind of takes up everything. Yeah. So so that that happens everywhere. So when you you come out of seminary, you're like, you know, you want to work, you know, you're you're a priest. You want to celebrate the Mass, you want to minister the sacraments. And um the reality of that is yes, you're doing that, but it is forever an uphill battle. But I think we have to make peace with that, you know. The hill is Calvary. Yeah. It, it's not. Um, it, it's not some sugar hill, you know, kind of thing. It's not some some party. Um, it, it's it's some. Um, it's hard, and it's not ideal, but it's okay to hold an ideal at the same time.
0: How
3: I, I just have a thoughts of how to make that better, uh, because you know it's like. When I when I look at this, a great majority of the priests, eighty percent, eighty percent said that you know what they would do it all over again. They definitely would continue to be a priest. Yeah. Um, and there's this there's this sixteen percent that would say probably, and there's this one percent that would say definitely. And then um, there's this percentage if they had a choice again, five percent. Whether they plan to remain the priesthood, 5% said no. Really? Yeah, it said, if I'm reading that right, it says, still the leaves of that leaves about in 20 that reports that they would definitely 1% or probably 4% not enter the priesthood. 4% would not enter the priesthood if they had to do it over again. Well, the, I mean, uh, obviously it depends and, on. And one of the things that said here, is the reason for considering leaving is loneliness is the primary factor? Yeah, loneliness.
4: You can be it. Could be, be lonely. Yeah. Um, depends on where those guys were at. Being brand new, transitioning into this new vocation. Um, my first year was tough. I was sharing with you guys. I I drank a lot, which I share openly, by the way. Um, it's not. Uh, you know. <gasps> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I, I should have had that little thing
4: there. It it was it was tough. I mean, because again, you know that what you're doing is not just like any other discipline. You know, you're a priest of Jesus Christ, and um, so so this kind of hits you hard, and um, you know, among you have family problems, uh, other things that happen. So so that transition can be pretty lonely, but you go through it by yourself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're not by yourself. I thank God I had awesome friends.
3: And that that was one of the things that they said in the study.
4: Is that we have to
3: do something different. Mm. Even with the living situation uh, with priests, we have this rectory model that you, you go to a parish and you yeah. have your rectory and you live there and you're by yourself. And I don't know how they're going to do that differently, whether you guys have a place that you stay and you go to different parishes. I don't know. But to curb loneliness is, can you imagine... Administrating over five thousand families who are all whining and complaining and need you every single minute
4: they don't all whine and complain
3: <laughs> I do I whine and <laughs> complain. that's my job. I'm Catholic, and then you come home and you're you're by yourself
4: and um so i I'm like it it is um there there is loneliness like I've experienced loneliness as a priest um specifically on days where I'm super busy and, and I've changed a lot. I've become a lot more social. I talk a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because I've experienced loneliness. Um but you you kinda you turn it into solitude, you know? But you well at least for me, I I love talking to people. So after massive there's people outside I'll go and I'll I'll talk a ton. Mm-hmm. I'll talk a lot. That's why that lady this morning, who I went to see, she was taking up all my talking time. <laughs> um, just but um, it's not but, about
3: you, lady. It's about my father
4: or man. Um, yeah, it, it can be lonely when when you have. Most recently for me um, was Christmas, right? So we have the. Since I've been ordained, my, I'm Mexican, so my family celebrates Christmas at midnight. Mm-hmm. And then we open the, the presents at midnight. Mm. Since I've been ordained, I've had midnight mass. Last year, you know, they had COVID, so I couldn't. I didn't see them till the end of January. So um, I haven't celebrated Christmas with my family since I got ordained, mm. right? So I usually go. I would try to go the day after if I could catch them, but at that point, they all they've all gone to different places. So I just kind of show up, bring the presents, open the presents they give me, and then just, just kind of just like go. sit down, see if there's any leftovers. Uh, this year, because it fell on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I didn't go until yesterday. So, um, yesterday was Tuesday. No, today's Tuesday. Yesterday was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. Um, I could have gone, but it, would, it was only going to be for like an hour, two hours, which is what I ended up staying anyway, because mm-hmm. I had to go to LA. But, um, after, let me see, Friday, I had the 4 p.m., no, sorry, 6 p.m. Mass, and I had the 11 o'clock Mass at night. Then I had, I didn't have Mass till 12, but and then I had evening Mass at 6, which is not a whole lot of Masses, by the way. It sounds like a lot, but I honestly expect a lot more. Um, in my other place, I used to have a lot more Masses. Here, are a lot more meetings, over there's a lot more more liturgies. <laughs> which one do you prefer? Liturgies. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Liturgies, adoration, masses, that kind of thing. you that, um, folks. Less meetings. <laughs> less meetings, definitely. But, um, and and I experienced a little, like, what what? I can't, Why am I, like, am I bored? No. I'm mm-hmm. trying to watch TV, and mm-hmm. and I don't want to watch anything. I'm trying to listen to music. I'm trying to read nothing. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, and then you, it's cold and it's raining. So people aren't staying after mass to talk, which is what I usually do. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was kind of a, a strange feeling, and um, but I didn't despair or anything like that. It's like okay, next time maybe be a little more prudent in how you deal with your time. Okay, you know, go to your family at least if it's just for that hour, mm-hmm. and then come back. Make that effort. You know, um, but you know we have prayer. We have other mm-hmm. things. You, I call people on the phone. I talk to. Father Tyler, every day, we talk on the phone every single day for at least 20 minutes. <laughs> he never, calls me. He never <laughs> calls me. Does the
2: seminary cover um, coping mechanisms when that inevitably That's happens?
0: A
4: good question. They'll tell us to like make sure we have um, exercise, mm. we're eating healthy, but they do warn us that it's going to be lonely mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. we need to have certain things in place. In order for us to not fall into unhealthy things. Mm. But I can't remember if they did. I'm sure they did knowing St. John's. Uh, they they probably did, even though we thought it was some sort of weird hippie thing. <laughs> you know. Sometimes they, they say things and it's like I remember we had um this whole idea of skin hunger.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> You're gonna have to tell us about that. All right.
4: So it's like because because we 'cause we're 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 men after the scandal. Um oh. you don't touch people. Uh, right, you don't right. you, you don't right. um our bubble space I don't know what it's yeah. called personal space mm-hmm. That's um that's something at least for me I could be wrong. Maybe this is the way I took it. At least for me, um was kinda subtly and in the background drilled in. Hmm. You know, so there was this staff member at the seminary who would say, you know, um, you have to take care of your body, right? Especially your fat, they'd always tell you that. Um, So you have to make sure everything is in place. You're taking, exercising, you you have to go get massages. You know, just to take care of the tense, tensity mm-hmm. in your muscles. And I don't know if that's what intensity, but you're going to be tense. And a mas- massage is a good way of dealing with that tension. Plus, since you don't touch people, Plus. you have this sort of skin hunger. You know, your your skin needs to touch other people's mm-hmm. skin. You know, there's a healing aspect from that. We need human contact. We need human contact. So you hear this, it's like skin hunger. Mm-hmm. This is freaking hippie. You know, talking about all these terms. And then you look back, it's like, well, yeah, we do need some kind of yeah. affection. You know, and and um with parishioners, I would love to hug them. Mm-hmm. I just don't. They have to initiate the hug. Mm-hmm. And then the hug has to be a half hug. Mm-hmm. You never do the full thing. Just because you never know where side it's going to go. A side hug. Especially children. Mm-hmm. They run up and they hug you. Mm-hmm. Which I really love, by the way. Because mm-hmm. because you know they're kids. it's affection. Yeah, it's affection. So so you hear things like that. It's like yeah, they're, they're they're totally lame. But then afterwards you think, well, I think there might have been some wisdom to that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> luckily I have nieces yeah. that that just let me hug the... It, the you such a thing you know as hug therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. In, in the mm-hmm. mental health
3: facility, you need hug therapy because people do need that human contact, that skin you know skin to skin, uh, because we are, we are, you know, we are not created to be alone. You mm-hmm. know, we need that contact. And I think when, when priests are sent off and they're alone, that falls into loneliness because they're by themselves. And even Scripture, you know, it says, it is not good for man to live alone, Book Genesis. Um, and so alone. that doesn't mean that you're to get married, but it also means that you're not supposed to be solitary. Uh, mm-hmm. You need that contact, um, and I think when when we go down to that that thing where uh, a person is alone all the time, we lead them to more of of falling into uh, despair or or going into alcoholism or even sexual issues mm-hmm. and gambling and narcissism or you know they they just you know you've always known that priest that just you know it's just
0: quiet
3: Mm -hmm. and and it's hard to relate to them because they're not they don't talk much they're not personable Mm. Um, so i i would just say that i don't know the solution to that um, of of what to do but i I love the fact that you have a, a friend group and i think that's something that is important to instill in in to the bishops and whoever runs the diocese, the chancellor, that yeah. there ought to be groups uh, that gathers, because I also look at, at like um, priests who are not local. They like they, they don't have family here. Their family is from another country. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're here, say from India or from the Philippines or from Af- African country or from a Latin American country. Um, not as much for the Latin American countries because there with everybody else and everyone's mm-hmm. inviting you to their house <laughs> but for that priest who does not get invited because they also don't share the same language the same culture they're at home all the time it's
4: like yeah
3: what do we do for them
4: there's um i have friends who would say i'm totally crazy and that those people talking about skin hunger are crazy <laughs> but you know the they, they're out there i know because in case they listen they're gonna call me up and like you're out of your mind you know she was a hippie <laughs> and you know she always will be um but yeah, yeah, that is that is tough um, for our missionary brothers. You, I actually, to be honest, I never really thought about that. Um, extending that arm invitation. out to them, that invitation. Um, we, we The diocese has, for your newly ordained in the diocese, uh, the first five years of your priesthood. So every month we have a gathering and we have a priest who comes and this is his job. Right. He's a chaplain somewhere, but he meets with priests and it's kind of like a session where we rant or talk about a topic. Mm -hmm. Now, um, whatever happens, it says in that group has to stay. It's, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't don't talk about what Mm -hmm. another person said or anything like that. And I think that's very helpful. It's kind of annoying sometimes because at the end of the day, we're men and we don't always want to open our hearts all the time. Whatever is in small yeah. group stays in small group. Yeah, I'm like Alex, what do you think uh, about this? I'm done. I shared, <laughs> I shared last month. For God's sakes, like, I gotta grab through again, you know? But um and then I end up talking, you know. But um <laughs> but I, I it's a very good thing to have and we have that and I, I think that's one of the good things that the bishop and some of the guys higher up in, in our diocese have really pushed. And There's consequences if we don't go you know you have to you have you have to very, have a very good reason for not showing up to this meeting but there's where we talk to each other that's where we mm-hmm. reconnect that's where um it's
3: kind of like a support group
4: yeah well we're encouraged to have support group support group so preacher leads it always tells us you have to have at least one friend that knows absolutely everything about you the good the bad and the ugly yeah, the the ugly, the very dirty things, you know, um, everything that happens to you, this this person has to know, and um, and I have that for me, it's Father oh. Tyler. We well,
3: actually I have several of them, but that, um, that makes you so vulnerable too, though. It's like that's that's hard, you know, for a lot of us. That's that's hard to even even your spouse to know everything about you. Yeah.
4: Um. Okay. Is it though? I mean, okay, so like Father Tyler, he knows absolutely everything about me. There there's things that I've been embarrassed to tell him, but I tell him anyway. Mm-hmm. Because um he he's that person for me. And and my other priest friends too, they're they're very good. I I tell them to some degree. Um but each each relationship is mm-hmm. different, right? Like Father Tomas me and him go on vacation together. We have fun together, we're on the same mm-hmm. um schedule father ted whenever we get together with like high school high school kids you know <laughs> um but but you know each each relationship is different so there we have this intimacy that that really helps us in our ministry you know and, and we share that by the things we say um by praying together and i would imagine that when you have that with a spouse yeah um it must be very special, right? Like, like I always think, you have the 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 one flesh part, right? Mm-hmm. The sex—that's the easy part for the most part. That is the easy part. But and that's that's part of my 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 wedding homily. is um, but becoming one heart and one mind. Mm-hmm. That's hard because you need friendship for that, and and so I experienced friendship with my priest friends, with with the Lord, you know. We open our hearts to God before mm-hmm. God. So I would imagine that when couples do that, they experience another level of intimacy before God. That that is, you know, amazing. And I, I wonder how many couples actually achieve that or have that. And you see mm-hmm. that sometimes at church. I mean, you, at least by appearance, I, mean, I don't know if it's true or not. But you also
3: see that on in, in, in like the older, older, older couples
0: mm-hmm.
3: where they're just they're together without even doing anything or saying anything there's just that understanding
4: yeah
0: yeah
4: but but that's friendship
0: mm-hmm.
4: you know that clarity that openness um in talking to couples about this i i find or i hear that they're afraid to tell their spouse's things because of the perverted thoughts they have mm-hmm. they're they're afraid to tell their spouse about the perverted things they have like, well, is that what it all comes down to? You know, <laughs> these perverted thoughts. There's not other things. You know, like struggle with uh, being um, courageous. You mm-hmm. know, or or times where you weren't humble with someone, or or times where um, you've been afraid of something. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you need your spouse to kind of lift you up and give you some words of wisdom or something. But like, it doesn't all come down to sex. You know, yeah. but from what it sounds like to me, it always comes down to sex with the couples. Again the the one flesh part you know yeah. the, the the that part they always get stuck on that so they have to I think they just have to like push through it and um and and then just you know yeah. I don't yeah. know but you're not gonna like I tell like I tell some of the guys like if you see a good looking woman at the mm-hmm. at the store and you check her out don't go to your house and tell your wife hey guess who I saw at the, <laughs> guess who I saw at the store hallelujah you know no you don't tell her that because you're dead you know
3: (laughs) (laughs) i I think i think one of the things it says is when you when you go to your spouse and you're you've been married for many many decades and it says do i still look good and and the answer is yes of course you still look like the person i married Mm. 30 years ago and you're like really because the person who hears that's like all i see is a wrinkled old person (laughs) But the person who married that person has fallen in love Mm
0: -hmm.
3: and always sees that person they fell in love with, regardless of how old they are. Uh, I think some of the things that that's hard for people to say to their spouse is I need you to tell me that you love me because it's like, it's like having to ask, Uh, but it's, it's just being, being vulnerable. As I mm-hmm. said earlier, it's just being vulnerable to your friend, to yeah. your spouse. It's it's hard for, I think especially for men, it's hard to be vulnerable.
4: But, you know, I I always think that's because vulnerability. Um, Jesus was crucified naked. Hmm. I mean, talk about vulnerability. Yeah.
3: He didn't have that cloth.
4: No. No. <laughs> He didn't have that cloth. We put it there because we don't want to see the reality of things, you know, because it's too much. It comes down to sex sometimes mm-hmm. for some people. So, or it's too, you know. That's
3: yeah. how you knew he was a Jew, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I went there. Bro. Are we going to cut that, Tony? Totally no, yet? you're fine. No, oh, it's okay. We, didn't, we weren't bad. It was true.
4: <laughs> yes, it's true. It
3: was true.
4: I mean, I'm, I'm sure he looked Jewish, too. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, but vulnerability, yeah, it's important. Like same thing with confession. I was just talking to my priest friends about it last night. Um, when people say, "Father, I had bad thoughts," and then I'll probe them. Well, what kind of bad thoughts? You know, Father, bad thoughts. What, like you thought about burning the neighbor's house down? No, Father, nothing like that. You know, <laughs> you know the bad thoughts. Um, what, like you, you, you thought about? Say it. You, yeah, you thought about stealing something from the store. No, I would never do that. Okay, so then what are the bad thoughts? Well, I, I I saw pornography and I masturbated. I'm like, I know that's what your thought was, but I needed you to say, say it out it, loud yeah. because you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. You have to experience that humility and confession. Otherwise, you're just doing the Adam and Eve thing and trying to hide from God. You know. And I think
3: it's important you said that, that you have to experience that humility because I think people confuse humility with shame. mm mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm so ashamed to say this, mm. and it's like, well, humble yourself then, yeah you know? right, humble
4: yourself right. that shame could be used for something good,
0: yeah,
4: right, but anyway, where were we on originally?
3: I have no idea <laughs> oh, uh, we got there and we got Jesus as a Jew, and then we lost it <laughs> from there <laughs> we lost it from there, oh here's the one thing it's, it was when I was reading that, it said, you know <laughs> that that struck out to me that we are we 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 have priests who go to seminary to become sheep and not shepherds, mm. and so I, I thought that was that was um, so eye opening to me when it said in truth instead of educating shepherds the average seminary produces sheep, the lack of leadership skills mentioned frequently in the survey underscores this woeful lack, and so. Um, the result is the emergence of weak and ineffectual, effect, insecure young priests, unable to lead and afraid of his own shadow. And and I think Bethany was the one who pointed this out to me when she read this. It says, um, of course, the unpleasant rationale for raising up sheep rather than shepherds is that it keeps priests malleable, controllable, and locked into perpetual infantilism or idolism. That's what
4: the Right now, yeah. yeah, I think this is a part where one of my friends told me, like, no, he's got an axe to grind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, controllable. No, now they're probably getting into this whole. That's why thing. I wrote in there. Wow, they're probably getting into this whole thing about how controlling the Catholic Church is over things, right? And the bishops are just controlling these poor, mm-hmm. you know, impotent priests. They can't do anything by themselves. But they would grow if they just give them the proper tools. I think at the end of the day, you just got to be a man and man up, you know. Even even as in, in, in all situations. Um,
3: well, they they yeah. also look.
4: They also said
3: something about you know looking at at West Point versus seminary. Mm. Whereas at West Point, everyone is taught that you will be a general one day. You're trained to be a general one day, whereas in the seminary, you're trained to be a priest. But should everyone be trained to be, you're going to be a the bishop one day. You're going to be a bishop one day.
4: Hmm.
3: That's, that's no, part I, of leadership training.
4: I I don't think they've ever told us that you're going to be a bishop one day. No We're one trained wants to be a bishop. Trained,
0: <laughs>
4: trained hey, to you, be a bishop. You one know day. those guys in seminary. You know they have miters in their closets. They're just waiting. <laughs> You, you know you know, that in all, all fields of things, right? Guys that think they're doctors already. You know? You do e Hauser. But... Um,
3: Want to be called doctor.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but we have those guys, but I think they'll tell you, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to be a pastor one day. You're going to be a pastor one day. But not every guy's qualified to be a pastor, nor should they be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Now, pastor doesn't just mean being an administrator. Mm-hmm. It's... Fulfilling the spiritual needs of the people, too. And sometimes you just don't get a guy that has both in line. Um, but, but yeah, they, they do have that. You're going to be a pastor one day. But, you know, I don't know. They should take a different approach. Not everyone, not every priest is meant to be a pastor in the sense that he's going to govern a, a church. You know. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want that. Could be a disaster
3: <laughs> everyone's fighting to be and we'll have two popes. hey, that happened but the, there's also information here about um about um, finances and how much a priest makes versus how much a rabbi makes and things mm-hmm. like that. i I you know is that is that wrong to say that you guys with your education with the amount of work that you do that you guys Literally, don't get paid enough.
4: We get, we're fine. <laughs> I think we get paid very well. Um, I, I got nothing to complain. If there's guys who complain about their pay, I can't take as children listen to this podcast, right? Probably. Some
3: because we have a question still to answer oh okay. a ninth grader.
4: Yeah, no, I, I think if, if, if a priest makes their pay an issue, they a man issue. up.
3: If, if If you haven't if you're a priest listening to this and you have an issue with pay, basically you have an issue. yeah. Up. Uh, but aside from that, you know the last thing I want to talk about is this, is there truly tension between younger and older priests?
4: Uh, there can be, but i've I've had experiences with older priests who've been very like antagonistic. Mm-hmm. and then i but most of my experiences with older priests, they they actually want to hear what you have to say mm-hmm. because they're out of touch with mm. this part of the of society. Mm-hmm. So they want to hear what you have to say. They want your point of view. Um, I've had that too, but yeah, you're you, you into both. There's both of that, and then with men, there's this whole um, attitude of, "Well, you don't res- you don't deserve my respect until you've gone through the gauntlet," you know. <laughs> the, <laughs> You got to own it first. Yeah, you got to own it. You got to prove yourself before you get my respect. That That's in there, too.
3: <coughs> I just swallowed my chocolate.
4: <coughs> Maybe we'll cut
3: that. But um hold on. Let me drink something.
4: <laughs> oh, you got the, the last of the coffee. The, the little
3: <coughs> bits. Yeah. That um, was
2: loud r i p headphone <laughs> users, okay, that yeah, listen to this,
3: <laughs> but one of the things that they did say in this study <coughs> is it is it doesn't reflect every single priest that not all priests are unhappy, no, and that um amazingly enough,
4: <coughs> Tony, take it away. <coughs> Well, I, I don't think, have it in front of me. <laughs> I, I think I know where you're going. Not all priests are unhappy, and I would say that's true. <sighs> I know more happy priests than I know unhappy priests. But um, um, yeah, it's just each case is different. Each, each case is different, and you you can't like hate on one guy or another because you know what they're going through, or you, or you've seen it or experienced it. So. Yeah, each case is different. How they handle it is different, too. Sometimes there's no support from the diocese. So if they're overwhelmed with work and they complain, you know, I'm overworked and the pastor isn't doing anything to lighten my load, and I don't, I'm stressed and I'm crashing, and I'm already taking Zoloft or whatever, and the diocese doesn't do anything to help them, then that does happen. So,
3: so do you think that there should be. A change somewhat in in the way that we form a uh, young priest or <clears throat> priest coming in is there should there be a change where we have more internships where they have more mentorship or where they should where their living situation is not alone in a rectory but more mm-hmm. of, of of communal living and then going out to serve into your own parishes. Yeah, and I think
4: <clears throat> the seminary looks into that. I think they talk about it. They have a discussion how to do it, um, whether they execute it properly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back down to the man who's being formed. What's his past experience? Mm-hmm. What's his maturity level? What are his um, um, gifts? You know, sure. What are his weaknesses? But, yeah, it could always
3: be better. Because I can also see that there are certain priests that prefer to be solitary Mm -hmm. you know i'd hate to be you know say you know that everyone's going to live in an apartment and you're going to live in communal living like like a bunch of uh, of of people in dormitories where it's like a dorm party every single night and then there's that one person's like i really like the solitude yeah so i think that's something to talk about
4: i Uh, i like living by myself even though i talked about loneliness i think that's you know but I love living by myself. My worrying for my next assignment is who I'm gonna live with. Just like <laughs> yeah. My my when I was in St. Adelaide, I was worried about who I was gonna live with. You know? What if his cooking stinks? What if his feet stink? And he just walks around the house like nothing. You know? Or yeah, or they part out loud, you know? Or or they use the kitchen all the time. You you don't you can't use the kitchen. Um that we have to share bathrooms, that kind of thing, because we're brothers, but we're not family at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, family in that sense where you share bathrooms with family, and stuff, that um, that's the thing.
3: That's a reality right there. What? You know, it's like, it just went through my mind. If you share a mutual bathroom and the toilet
4: seat's still warm, and I always say that. I always say that. You don't want a warm toilet seat. Yeah. Like- I would experience that in Chicago when I was in college seminary. I'd wake up early because I want to be the first one to use the toilet. God, I'm sorry, I said, I said toilet. But um, if you sit down and you feel that seat warm, it's like, oh, man.
3: <laughs> you know, even in mar- marriage life, I'm the only one here who's married. It's still the same. Oh, jeez. I'm, I'm the first. My wife can sit on my warm toilet seat.
4: You're comfortable with that?
0: You
3: know, her sitting on my warm toilet yeah. seat? No, I don't care. It's not me sitting on a warm. Let's see.
4: But are you comfortable sitting when she's warmed it up?
3: It's awkward. <laughs>
0: Still, I could I'm see not... that.
4: When you guys are <laughs> husband and wife, right? Imagine two guys mm-hmm. who who are you know,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: acquaintances.
3: Maybe. Acquaintances, well, yeah. <clears throat> I also work. I also work with with patients who are, you know, uh, um, in institutions. And I always tell my staff, don't be so harsh on them and rush them through the morning activities of daily living, because these are 50 people living in communal and using communal restrooms. Mm. And I said, I don't like sitting in a warm toilet seat. Can you imagine sitting on a toilet seat that 10 other men had sat on and you only have 30 minutes to do all your business? I don't know how we got there, but we got there.
4: We had to get out of there. But community living is is a big issue. It's a big thing. And then you, you know you should pray with the guy you live with, but you don't always want to. That, that's just a reality, right? I'm assuming couples are the same thing. You would like to pray with your spouse, but you don't, you're don't. You just not always in the mood. Yeah. But you should do it, hmm. right? So um, I don't know. I like living by yeah. myself. So okay, cool.
3: So any you guys have anything else to add about happy and unhappy priests? Tony.
2: Um no, I had a question though. It was comp it was a little bit unrelated. I'm trying to think what it was. It was something about yeah, you were meant you something that I struggle with too. You mentioned is when you were in seminary about um having like you had every solution uh mm-hmm. they were mentioning you had every solution right and i this goes back to the, the synod i just wanted to hear your opinion on it why is i i feel like that there's there's pros and cons to that mentality right the having every solution but aren't we at the same time supposed to be as the heart of the christian to want to serve and try to help the world mm-hmm. be better so why is... That's what I conflict with because I thought I'm told to to try to be that. That person's always striving um, to make things better for God. H- how do you reconcile with also you have to stop and listen? Mm-hmm. Going back to like what we talked about at the very, very beginning, you know?
4: I, I think what I meant is you have the solution as in a very arrogant way. Mm. So... Um, having a solution is good, but it's not always going to conform to what you want. Mm-hmm. And so, when you serve others, you you have to see what the needs of the sheep are. You may mm-hmm. want to feed them peanuts when they just want to eat grass. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so you you have to be humble to say, okay, they eat grass. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, not buy the peanuts anymore. Sorry for that terrible example, but yeah. no, um, but it made yeah. sense. Yeah. So so you have to listen, but at the same time, be like, okay. I'm going to give you grass, but not that kind of grass. <laughs> okay. Well, there's better grass over here that's more Christ centered. Okay. Right.
3: Also, it's, it's one of the clients once told me because, you know, they're still speaking and then you're, you're thinking and then you open your mouth and they say, wait, I'm not done. And when they, they finish, you're like, mm. oh, yeah. okay. You change my mind was totally going in a different direction. That's yeah. not what you desired, right? And okay, so how mm. can we help you? Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so what do you want to do? Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So it, it, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's interesting. But one of the things again with with happy and unhappy priest this person is the negatives that that we're, we pointed out and that we talked about. Doesn't exist in every priest or even the majority of the priests. That's what it says here. But they're real enough that a substantial percentage of junior clergy regret their decisions to enter into the priesthood. I myself have never ever met a priest who said, you know what? I regret it. Um, you know, quite a number of priests and I've never really had anyone Mm -hmm. who said, you know what? I regretted it. Uh, maybe it's not, I'm not the person that, you know, they really go to, to be honest with, but, I've always met priests who were joyful. I've had a couple of priests who in their assignment were kind of like, you know what? I'm, I'm being, uh, what, what did one person say? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, something about a servant heart. Um, I'm trying to really, really have that servant heart and serve the Lord here. Mm -hmm. And this is where he's calling me. Um, whereas for us, who are lay people, would say, "I'm out of here. I'm going to apply for a different job, mm-hmm. or I'm going to do a different profession." But, um, but
4: yeah, I- well, you got to wonder if it was a discernment problem. Mm-hmm. What what pressures were they having from family, from mm-hmm. just being in the from uh, being in seminary? Um, if it wasn't their calling to begin with, and and they're doing something that they don't want, they don't like now. Let's say they leave the priesthood and they're completely unhappy and still regret, you know, mm-hmm. living or whatever. Then it's just a personal issue, you know. But um, uh, yeah, it's discernment, and I don't. It's not going to be perfect all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know?
3: And and do you guys know anyone who's ever left the priesthood? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting because um, the ones that I know, when you see them it's funny for me it's like they're still priest-like mm. there's like you know i remember i met this one person at work and it's like I was like you know you're so priest-like and then he chuckled and says i was a priest and i was <laughs> like oh so it hasn't changed <laughs> and he's very happy mm-hmm. where he's at it was just not his calling mm-hmm. and i think he he left understanding it wasn't his calling it didn't mm-hmm. change how how beautiful he was he still has a, such a sermon heart to work with uh mm-hmm. with the mentally ill and that's where his passion is
0: so
4: just, yeah i i wonder some of our guys if they're not going through constant conversions you know mm-hmm. like um in their prayer life or whatever and their examination of conscience and just, you know, thinking about themselves, situations if they're not going through the process of deconstructing or analyzing who they are, situations um and and seeing where they're at, you know? I wonder if they do that if they just expect to go from one moment to the other, from one task to another and um really kind of embracing how the Lord works in their lives. You know, I often wonder that's absolutely necessary, right? I mean, to, for any person, for any Christian yeah. to go through.
3: Definitely. we something we need to discern with, um, of, and definitely, as, as I would say, we're always constantly in your rosaries, in your prayers, praying for our priests, um, for their holiness, for their vocation. Um, at, because we we ought to do that, they are family, you are our family, um and we are one church, and without our holy priest, we wouldn't have the Eucharist and so if it's a, if your faith is important enough for you, then it's important enough to give that time to be there for our pastors, for our priests to invite them over to be with them, to have that conversation. Not monopolize this time, of course, but I do. But, um, but of course, allow them to have that conversation because it's important. I mean, we all go through that loneliness. But on that note, we have a question yeah. from a listener. Um, ninth grade female. Won't mention names because we don't. But she says, she has this question. She says, wait, so I've heard both stories. It's weird that I read the entire thing. It says, wait, so I've heard both stories. I've heard it's best to baptize your kid when they are an infant because they are, being, they are being forgiven for the natural sin and it signifies that they are a part of the church and they're officially that religion. But I've also heard that you shouldn't baptize your kids when they're an infant because they basically had no choice and it should come out of their want and heart to want to get baptized so that is our question from my great listener answers yes father
4: um, I think it's good to baptize them as children they start receiving grace they're part of the body of Christ um, now if they're not faithful then I just blame the family and godparents you know did you hear that godparents oh yeah it's it's a big thing um at the same time i could see uh making your own choice but does that mean you're not given a foundation mm-hmm. you know i did my confirmation as an adult and I, I always and my first communion and I always um i always like that but it would have been nice if I would have been taught. But whatever you are, you have what you have. Yeah. Tony, Tony. Infant
3: baptism?
2: Um, yeah, like father said, I think it's important so they can belong, you know, to the body of Christ. Um, but at the same time, they still have the opportunity to get formed. You know, like It's the same thing when the teens ask me like, "Why do I have to get confirmed?" You know, well, God's placed this gift before you. Why the questions really should be why not? Why 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 not <laughs> receive this grace? Why not receive this gift that God's placed before you? Um it's it's only going to help you. Um and yeah, there is the argument for the formation, there's the argument of not knowing, but but that can be worked at, you know, as uh, that you can start living out, you can make that choice as a as a young person over time, and you should. Mm-hmm. Um That doesn't. That I guess what I'm saying is, being baptized doesn't disqualify you from making that decision. You know, of living the life mm-hmm. of faith. But, you know, I don't know if that made sense.
3: I do agree, <clears throat> and uh, I think a lot of uh, a lot of um, our youth in the Catholic faith are questioned about. You know, about infant baptism, usually by, um, their Protestant brothers and sisters who are all well meaning, uh, re- with regards to not mm-hmm. baptizing and baptizing when it is at the age of, of, um, I forget the name, but age of consent or age of, of understanding. Um, but with infant baptism, <clears throat> we've traditionally done that uh, in, in our Catholic Church because of the saving grace but again the issue there is not that the the issue there is that they should continue to be formed by their parents and their godparents that's the purpose of that and to say is to not baptize as an infant because the parents and the godparents are not doing that um formation It's not an issue of not baptizing infants. It's an issue of not catechizing parents Mm -hmm. and godparents and continuously catechizing them so that they can raise them up correctly in in the faith. Um, Sometimes I I feel like we throw away the baby with the bathwater because the, the, the child didn't choose on their own. But who's to say that at the age of reason that that child... Who is raised by parents who are not living out their faith is going to have that reason to say, "You know what? I want to be baptized now, because now I truly understand." When no one's walking with you, mm. um, I think we we ought to have that opportunity with our faith formation that when someone brings someone to be baptized and they're an infant, <clears throat> we invest on those parents and godparents. To educate them on what their responsibility is, and we are we I believe we do, and I believe that there are some parents who are totally touched by that class that they take um in that baptism formation class that they take, and they 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 live it out they continue to live it out, but many don't and many don't understand, and I think it's a culture that we we live in
2: you, you know what i I love is When we have the confirmation teams that feel like that, like, well, I was already baptized, but like, it was never my decision. It's like, we also get to renew our baptismal promises and you get to voice that at confirmation when, um, when you do that and you kind of get to rehear those, you get to actively make those, those, uh, Decisions your, your to say.
3: Your parents made a right decision to do something that was best for you. I mean, this is a really bad analogy, but I'm going to give it a really bad analogy. I'm an immigrant. Okay. I came here very young with my mom, who's an immigrant. She became an American citizen when I was young. Mm-hmm. She professed to be an American citizen so that she can be an American. Everyone who was under 18 got to also be an American citizen because she became an American citizen. Mm -hmm. So I have my naturalization papers because my mom said I should also be an American. So I'm an American who did not profess the want or desire to be an American, but because I was young and my mother chose for me what was best for me, I am an American who carries a blue passport and citizenship papers. Now, I say is if I was at the age of reason at 18 and said, you know what? I want to be an American. I would have had to go through all the process and decide later that, you know what? I should have just had my mom do this (laughs) because she taught me how to be an American. Mm -hmm. Her pride, her, her patriotism, things like that. Bad analogy, but that's all I have. (laughs) <laughs> okay. we are gonna do another podcast though father with okay. you on another issue that um we're not gonna say what it is synod, but um but yeah <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna do a follow-up episode mm. and i think that's what's important is is um what we talked about listening and listening openly and i'd l- really love to to hear your thoughts on listening sessions and what the synod and synodality is touch base with you and some of our other pastors regarding what we're going to be going through in the next next year or so uh, i think it's important for our listeners to understand what their role is in this whole thing and what what it is what actually it is i think majority of the people out there aside from people who are active in ministry completely understand what we're being asked to do and i think it needs an explanation uh, at our level <laughs> did you see that our level yeah. so so on that note fam, that's all we have for this episode, we hope that this connected, and as usual if you have any comments, concerns complaints, they go to Tony, and if you have any praises, they go to me at catholic.dad50 at gmail.com DM Tony Pimentel at Minitangled on Instagram for any other needs, Um, if you want to follow us on YouTube, it's at it's at this connected
2: youtube.com slash this connected
3: podcast yeah. and to follow Tony it's at youtube.com
2: slash Tony Pemintel. Yes.
3: And <laughs> on Instagram it's at catholicdad and it's at Mini tangled. So be sure to follow us. And also if you want to make a donation to support this podcast, you can also do that through Patreon or go on our bio. All the links are there in our Instagram pages. So on that note, as usual, we say, um, but after this, after I say this, Father's going to give us a final blessing, is live a life of holiness, be blessed, and be third. Father, did you close us in a blessing. Sure.
4: Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank uh, you every day for life and for um, bringing us together, for giving us friendships, relationships, just just for creating us. Um, may uh, the discussion we've had here today reach out those who may be uh, pondering your will, who may be contemplating your mysteries, and who may be meditating on uh, what life is. May it connect with them. May it bring them closer to you, and may, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother and Saint Joseph, may we always seek you in all things and in all people. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. With and your with spirit. your spirit. And Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's all, folks. Thank you, thank you, everyone. Take it away, Tony.
1: different points of view and highs and lows a new perspective everywhere you go open up your mind and drown with the noise different generations of the girls and boys so sit back and relax this cat, the podcast don't overreact if the thoughts are abstract when it's hosted by catholic Dad, who knows what's gonna happen hey what's up fam uh, Different points of view and highs and lows, a new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown out the noise and see if this connected.
3: What's up, fam? To connect generations and situations about fate, life, and whatever.
1: Spec runaway thoughts like a runaway train Break into conversation like links of a chain Make a Hail Mary pass, hope disconnects. Have a question for a guest, put it to rest Live a life of holiness, lead by example Follow at catholic.dead and tingled <laughs> Christ leads our way, he's the good shepherd Pray for one another, be blessed and be there. Different points of view, and highs and lows, a new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown out the noise, and see if connected.
3: This Connected podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest but not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, A full-size kitchen and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s, with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin, located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out the cabin on Instagram at the cabin 2021. Again, that's at the cabin 2021, T H E C A B I N 2021.